Welcome to Breakthrough City Church, and uh, so those joining us, Facebook Live and that, um, welcome, welcome. We trust that I am upright and not standing skew on this shot here, so um, we're doing a Facebook, okay, we find it sounds like, okay, so welcome here, welcome to those of joining us there, um, some of the Swiss family, and uh, Tina, if you're there, we're praying for you, and we have prayed for you, so welcome as well, and joining us from the islands. Welcome. So uh, uh, this, this morning I just want to share a word which um, I really trust is going to just encourage you. I really just believe as well that um, we're in such an interesting time and even before the, uh, in the, before the time of worship, uh, obviously the people online wouldn't have seen that. But um, just touching one or two things is that whatever God does in the spirit, he wants it to manifest in the natural. So um, a lot of Christians many times live on this, this level of what I see is what I experience, and therefore that is my life. And yet God is saying that there's more to it because life is life in the spirit. So in, in the glory realm, there, all things are possible. There's no interference in the glory realm. So when God's presence and glory manifests in the natural, things just become accessible. Miracles are there, healings are there. Supernatural provision is there. Fish and bread multiply. Things just happen in the presence of God. So when heaven invades earth, something starts to break out. And I really believe in the season where we gain, there's been a lot of travail uh, and a lot of birthing taking place in the body of Christ and a lot of um, uh, turmoil, frustration. And I believe God is about to bring about breakthroughs in people's lives, even right now. There's things we've been contending for and God is saying that there's the faithful, there's the faithful that is finding across the world that is faithful to Him. Because the world also offers you something, but when you're faithful to Him, He's faithful as well. The Bible says also when we're unfaithful, He's also faithful because He's a perfect Father. So, this morning I want to just touch on the thing in that, um, where it goes about, you know, how many times that you and I have experienced things just don't work out? Any of you? Well, I can give you a lot of examples through the whole Bible where even God says one thing and things go a different way. You know, Joseph gets the dreams and his life ends up in a pit. Or prophets in training or whatever it is. Um, you have different scenarios in that with Daniel, with whatever. But at the end of the day, your life counts something. But you're not going through that for nothing. And that is what you've got to understand. So what I want to just share about, I've, I've touched on some of this before. But um, I, I want us just to pick up the heart of what God is doing now. Is that just in a nutshell, what I want to say is that there is um, the, whatever problem or challenge you're busy facing now, God already has a solution for the problem. So before there was a problem, He has a solution. How about that? You see, because God doesn't live in time, He lives outside of time. Woo! He lives outside of time. Therefore, he knows the end from the beginning. So he has an answer and he has a solution to the problem. So there's nothing on earth that catches him unaware. What happens in Ukraine or Russia or what's happening in Europe or what's happening in Canada or what's happening in different nations, turmoil in the nations and things. What's happening in South Africa? God is not caught unaware. That is why the church is there. And what God wants to do is he wants to invade our situation from heaven. Heaven has an answer before we have even a problem. 
You know what that does? That gives us hope. And what I want to say is that, <clears throat> remember what I say, it's the same as joy. Um, you know, joy is always connected to hope. <laughs> have you seen people who don't have hope don't have joy? Those who don't have joy don't have hope. They are hopeless or hopelessness. So where there is hopelessness, what happens? There is no joy. And it seems like on planet Earth, the season that people have gone through, it doesn't seem joy. Therefore, we need the external thing to give us the joy. And yet joy is the, 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 the product of a connection with God. Because the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So, um, hope, many times in the present day, is actually a wish. I hope I can have this. I hope. So in present day terms, when we say we have hope, we're actually saying, I'm wishing for something. Isn't that so? That's, that's the way we think. You know, hope, hope, I hope this is going to happen. But the thing is, um, biblical hope, we've spoken about, biblical hope is a different meaning. When we have biblical hope, that is really a, a, a joyful anticipation of something good is going to happen. So hope in the Bible is about, I, I have this joyful anticipation that something good is going to happen. It is not, I wish it's going to happen. And you get that look like Nachos has. Some of you could need to watch the movie, because I'm preached from that movie. All right, Nachos. All right, so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at some of my lovely friends in Switzerland that looked at us and we thought it wasn't such a good movie, but we love you still. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, the thing is this. It's easy to have joy in, in response to something good happening. Ah, ah, the car got. Ah, the house I got. The bonus I got. Ah, the... the you see, many times our joy is related to something we get. And so when we don't get the thing or the promise, we don't have joy. Alright, so, I say again, it's easy to have joy before you get what you're praying for. Does it sound right? The thing is, the Bible speaks about you and I can have joy before we get it. Because there's a scripture that says, for the joy that was set before him, that's Jesus, he endured the cross. Hello? Uh, when I, many years ago, from the place I came from, many times, because I think there was, you know, many times, just this, a religious thing that came in that it was about the cross. The cross is a place of punishment. Hello? But joy was set before Jesus. That's why he endured the cross. So he had the joy despite that. Sometimes we look for that to give us the joy. But he is our joy. Alright, so when we don't have hope, we don't have joy. So biblical hope is a measurable joy expressed before there is anything to express joy for. That's why people think Christians are crazy. Because sometimes there's a joy and we shouldn't have joy. I, I told you I used to know a guy like that in my basic training in the military who they really just gave him hell. 
this guy. He was born again Christian. None of us were. But they gave him hell. And I uh, hope one day I'll meet him again. I'm sure I've never had any connection again or met, seen him again. But they gave him hell. He would, he would, they would just uh, literally grind him into the ground. His face. <laughs> and uh, this guy had joy. And that was one of the things I saw in this guy's life. He had something despite what he had or was going through. Alright? So, biblical joy is what we have before we have something. What's your joy based on? What you have? Your circumstances? How well it's going with you? So, this joy is not based on nothing, but it's based on the character and nature of God. So we go through situations and, and it's like, I'm telling you, you know, we've been through a, a number of years of such extreme seasons. My, myself, my wife, my daughter, things that we've gone through, intensity. And I believe the body of Christ has gone through that on earth, this intense, intense season. And, uh, but God is doing something in those seasons. Alright? And um, so we go through these things and that. But... Um, God is continually doing something in us, all right? And so what, what he's doing is building certain character things that our life is not based on this temporary stuff. It's based on the eternal stuff. So our lives that we're busy going through, whether it's in business, whether it's in relationships, it's based on something eternal. It's not just based here. Because if we look around, the world says everything is the quick fix. Take this and have it here now. And it satisfies now but not for tomorrow. So we need this hope that is based only in God um, because God is perfect. He's the perfect Father, right? So I may, I may not always um, know what is happening. You know, like you know what always happens. Like, what's happening? You've had that question. But I can always live with hope because nothing I'm facing has caught God of God. Whatever you're busy going through in your business, your finances, family relationships, politics, country, whatever. God's not caught of God about, oh, crisis in South Africa, crisis in Hungary, crisis in Russia. No, God's not caught of God. All right? So there might be many things that you and I are facing that caught us of God. Things that like, oh my goodness, this is not happening. I mean, there's things some of you know about we've been trusting for tomorrow will be 21 days. So we hope that angel will step through tomorrow after 21 days like Daniel. But there's certain breakthroughs and things we are trusting for. But there's nothing that catches God of God. There's nothing that catches him of God. Even, you know, to such an extent where someone is dead and Jesus says, oh my goodness, and he, he gave, it wasn't a sarcastic thing, it was his absolute empathy and love for Lazarus and, you know, uh, his family and yet he waits another two days so that Lazarus by that time was stinking well from being died, you know, just, and then he goes back. So nothing is not redeemable. I want to tell you, nothing in your life cannot be turned around and redeemed. doesn't matter how bad it's gone. doesn't matter if it's dead. Even your dreams. Everything is redeemable. 
through Jesus Christ. Nothing catches God, uh, God off guard. Okay? So my relationship with Him keeps me in a position of hope. When our relationship with Him is affected, we lose hope. He knows the answer even before the question arises. How about that? That's good to know. Hey? Before you ask Him, He already knows. Well, if we know Him, then we can actually have answers before even the question arises. That's why the church is the effect that will transform society. Because the church is supposed to carry the word of God for the situation we are in. Because governments don't have answers. You do realize that. It's the righteous in government that bring heaven down to the situation. As an example. So... God's called us, this is the life of the believer, that he knows the answer before the problem. God wants us to have infectious hope. I'm telling you, the, whole, the world is hopeless. Situation. And yet, God wants us to have hope. And there's so many of Christians that have actually lost hope because of situations that we've gone through. Unfulfilled promises. It's like depression. Do you know that depression, the result of depression, the cause of depression, most of the time is as a result of promises not being fulfilled or disappointment. That's why people go into dep depression. Because things have not been fulfilled. Things have not happened as people thought it would. So real faith, remember, does not deny the existence of the problem. But real faith actually denies the problem a place of an existence. So we don't deny, you know, this is it. I don't have that, but this is not going to affect me. This situation is not going to affect me. This will not influence me. That we deny the influence of the situation. We don't just say, ah, it's not here, it's not here. It's not. No, no. I see this what it, as it is. The prognosis says this. This is what the doctor says. We thank God for them. But I refuse to accept this influence in my life. I know that uh, when Jesus died, he took into full consideration everything that you and I would ever face. He took into consideration, now my head doesn't fathom that as well, because it's 2,000 years ago that he died for me, but I'm living now. But God lives outside of time, and he steps in time, dies 2,000 years ago, but he knew already what I would need, and he already provided for that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> okay? So by faith I actually received that. So he died in my place for my sin. Right? If he would do that, that means then everything else has been covered for in my life. Because he already died for me in my place, for my sin. So everything else has actually been covered already. And if you realize it, because when he died in my place for my sin, when he died in your place for your sin, 
exchange took place. We received his life. He took our life upon him. Our sin upon him. So what he is, is what I receive. He is the answer for every situation that you and I are facing. Every challenge that you and I are facing, he is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. If he would do that, all right, so everything is covered in my life, all right. So, in uh, Romans 8, 12, it says the following. Romans 8, 12 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him, up, uh, delivered him for us, how will he not freely give us all things? Come on. He delivered his son. Jesus was sent by the Father for you and for me. How will he not give us all things then? And I'm not speaking about goodies. I'm speaking that what we need for the time and the season. Emotionally, physically. I want us just to have a look. You can turn with us. Um, I've, I've used this chapter before, but so we repeat in Isaiah 35. In Isaiah 35. You can just turn with me to Isaiah 35. We're going to read there. I've touched this portion previously, but it's really so rich. Um, Isaiah 35, just, just to give you a bit of an idea, um, remember the Old Testament, where the Old Testament refers to um, waters or rain, it's always referring to the Holy Spirit. Alright, I just want to give you a bit of context before we read this, that you understand this. So the Old Testament, when we speak about rivers in the desert, or um, uh, uh, basically the, the dryness or the wilderness, always referred to many times the heart of man, the dryness of the heart of man. All right? And then it refers to how no matter what, you know, it's like for instance, uh, there was Israel. No matter what choices that they made or whatever, um, God would bring them a promise. And when God would bring them a promise, he always refers to like, um, he refers to it in the context of water. So there's a dryness of heart. Old Testament speaks of many times wilderness, dryness. But he, God will refer to the Holy Spirit in the context of a river or rain. Okay, I want you to see context because of what we're going to read here now. So that is the Old Testament, just symbolic of how the Old Testament would speak about dry places and about rivers and about water. Um, it's like, for instance, Israel that was surrounded by the nations. And then God says, I will bring you streams in the desert. That's how, what he would speak. All right, so we need to understand the terminology of the language basically to understand just some of the scripture here. So whatever the problem God uh, would say, you know, I will send you the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Remember he speaks about the early rain and the latter rain. He speaks about streams in the desert. Okay, so Isaiah 35, let's have a look at verse uh, 1 and 2. It says the following. Isaiah 35 verse 1 and 2. It says, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as, ro as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Alright? So, it speaks about this, um, this barren areas become visited by God. And it starts to become blossoming and fruitful. 
Okay? So, um, the thing is, we see joy arises. Why? It, joy arises because of the wellspring of the life of God. That's what it says. That suddenly joy arises. Why? Because of the life of God. The Spirit of God comes in. Joy arises as a wellspring starts to arise there. So, the ultimate is to see the glory of God, um, which is, the Bible says, the excellency of God. Right there in verse 2 at the bottom, the excellency of our God. In verse 3 and 4, it says the following. Verse 3, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say, say to those who are fearful, hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. All right? So, um, what God is saying here, we actually have to do something. Okay? In Isaiah 35, verse 3 and 4, yeah. He speaks about the strengthening of the hands and the feeble knees. Now, this is the thing about when God wants to, and what He wants to do, He wants to bring revival through family. This is what God is doing even in His house, is the connections, relationship. It's not a Sunday thing alone. It cannot be. It's family. But with that, you know what? Hey, it's not going well with you. I, I see you spacking here. How do we, we start strengthening one another, the feeble knees? Because all of us are going through something. we all got challenges. All of us. And when you share your life in transparency with one another, something starts happening. And it's like, hey, you know, um, let, let me take hold of you. Let me strengthen you. Let me strengthen your hands in that. Um, you know, uh, because what happened? God starts to step into the situation. Because he speaks about with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Now, um, having hope, we can help those without hope and in weakness. So, when you and I have hope, we can help those that are hopeless. Do you, you, you think I don't have tough days, or weeks, or years? <laughs> I do. But I want to encourage you and say this, but you know what, you're sitting with hope. There's a person working with you. There's a person in the street. There's the person even in this house that is hopeless in a certain situation. And that is when we start to become you know, where we are hope givers, where we start to bring hope in that situation. So, to the measure that we are without hope, to that measure, we are actually under the influence of a lie. So, if you don't have, if you, there's an area of your life that you've lost hope in, you're influenced by a lie. Because you're saying there's no solution, and yet God is the solution for everything. So if you don't have hope in God, what do you have hope in? Nothing. It's called hopelessness. So if you truly believe God, you will have hope. Okay? So there is nothing that you and I can face that actually has caught God of God. Or as a surprise, like, ah, surprise God, you didn't know this was going to happen. I'm going to give you such a cool scripture. I was just tuning on this in the week and it was like so, Wow. Wow, you know, I'll get to that now. Um, <coughs> excuse me. All right, let me get to it now. So there's a scripture in uh, Revelation 13. You can read through Revelation 13. It's one of the verses there, verse 8 or something. I'm not sure. Revelation 13, it speaks about how Jesus, listen to this, Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. 
Okay? He was slain from the foundation of the world. From the beginning, he was slain for you and me. How does that work? Well, I don't know how it works, but he lives outside of time, so he's not bound by time. So before the foundation of the world, he was slain for you and me. Okay? So before the world was made, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit made a decision, and they said, we're going to create man, but we're going to give man a free will. But we also know that man will sin, because they will choose wrong. So the Father, the Son, and that they create us. I mean, you know, and he, they give us a free will. So before the foundation, they decide this, to create man with a free will. All right? So, what they also decide there, I mean, this just blows my mind. I'd, I'd love just to recall that conversation. But they decide there that Jesus will die for the world. They decided there before the foundation. <laughs> it wasn't a rescue mission. They decided before it even happened. You see, God knows the end from the beginning. In your situation that you have, He already has the answer. And as Christians, we need to start realizing that. He's not quiet. He's waiting to respond in the situation when we start to choose to believe what He says because He's a perfect Father. He doesn't just leave us in hopelessness. He's the hope giver. He's the desire of the nations. So Jesus, they decide, Jesus will die in your my place. What does that mean? Before there was a problem, there was a solution. <laughs> Before there was a problem, whatever you're facing, doesn't matter what you're facing. Before you have a problem, there's already a solution. Because Jesus, they already decide before the foundation of the world that Jesus would die for you and me. There's nothing you and I face that we're facing right now that can separate us from His love. Not depth, not breadth, nothing. He knows every hair on your my head. That's what's left of some of us. So he has a solution already. And that's what I want to encourage you with today and those that are listening is that, that God already has a solution. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what challenge you have with your studies, with your school, with your subjects, with your business, with your relationships, with your country, with the nations. You know what? We are so, I posted a thing, I'll post it again in this week. It's a different thing is that we are so focused with the end times. Look, this Bible says the wars and the rumors and the arities here. I'm telling you, we are more focused on the issues instead of the one, Jesus. When we get focused on Him, all these things disappear. We don't stick our head in the sand. But you know what? We're so, this is the end of days, man. It's been the end of days since uh, 2,000 years ago. But we're so focused on this, we've lost hope as even in the church. So before there was a problem, there was a solution. A new problem to us, guess what, is not a new problem to him. A new problem to you. Whether there's a diagnosis someone has with health, it's not a problem because he knew it and he has a solution already. 
We stand with one another. In Isaiah 35, yeah, we read, we stand with one another and we hold each other up until one another's knees are strengthened. Therefore, we're holding and supporting one another, right? Verse 4 says the following. Verse 4, it says, yeah. And this is a key thing because very interesting, even in the worship time, Candice not here as well now at the moment, but there was this thing that we touched on about start speaking that. Remember what we said earlier on is that, that in the spiritual realm, there's things that when we start agreeing with heaven, we start seeing. You don't see the spiritual realm happen here, but there's an effect of the spiritual into the natural. Then we see the effect. And for those that are listening now, I showed a picture of a tissue which was, where aircon was blown. You didn't see the wind blowing, but you saw the effect. That's what happens in the spirit. And you and I need to realize and understand the spiritual realm is more real than this realm. So when verse 4 says the following here, it says, Say, say, do you know that there's life and death in your and my tongue? We just say things as, but do you understand, when we start speaking and saying what heaven is saying, what happens? There's life. There's things that change. Because we might not uh, see that, but when we start speaking things, we will see an effect taking place. Because we bring in the super into the natural. On earth as it is in heaven. But so many of us are saying the negative. And we eat in the fruit of our lips. In our city, in our nation, in our business. So verse 4, it says, say to those, alright, what is actually happening here? There's actually a release of grace into someone's heart to help them step into something. So when you start releasing, not cursing, when you release into the local municipality, the leaders of the city, the leaders of the nation, when you release what heaven is saying, you release grace. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. But if we believe that there's a spiritual realm, and when we agree with actually what heaven is saying, not the second heaven, the second heaven where there's spiritual battles taking place, the third heaven is where God is seated, and where are we seated? In Christ, in heavenly places. The problem is the present church is looking at the circumstances in the world and they speak in what they pick up in the second heaven. And what is happening in the second heaven is becoming the fruit and the result of what they speak. But when we start to speak what is happening in heaven, the throne room, and we speak it into being, that is what starts to happen in the nations. So I'm not shivering because, have you heard of the wars and the rumors of wars and the Bible says it's from the times of Jesus. It hasn't changed. It's been the whole time. It's just now you and I have each have a television in our hand. Yeah. So, in this verse here we see that God already provides a solution. Because he says, say. So when you start to speak, let me give you a scripture in Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29 says the following. It says, let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, but what is good 
for, ne for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So when you now start to speak things, we're imparting grace. You see, when the devil gets you to believe a lie, we agree with him. We're two more agree, so it is. That's what you eat. That's the fruit of your life. It's going so bad economically. It's going so this. Start to speak God's economy. Because when you do that, you release grace. That's what it just says here. Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let no corrupt word, something that corrupts something, destroy something. Let no corrupt word proceed out your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So we are bombarded with media. What we hear is not grace being imparted. What is being imparted? Corruption. You see, the church, to a large extent, has become a noise and not a voice. And we are supposed to be a voice of God in a city, in a nation, in the nations. Let no corrupt word proceed forth from your mouth. How do we want our children to be raised? Impart grace to them. How do you want your boss to be with you? Impart grace to them. You see, when I encourage someone by what I say to someone, God comes and He comes and recompenses to vindicate you. So this is what this word says here in verse uh, 4. It says, uh, let me read this. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God, He will come and save you. Alright? So, um, remember, God chose man to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. He chose man to share. He didn't choose the angels to preach the gospel, by the way. He chose man, humans. I think He could have just sent His angels. But He sent us you as humans to preach the gospel. Alright? So, he chose man to release this grace. Okay, so with, it's the same as with our commission, he gives us a divine enablement, which is grace. So when we send someone, all right, remember there's difference when we bless someone from the place. You know, someone's here for a time and we bless them and release them and we bless them with God's goodness. But when we commission someone, it's a different thing. When we commission someone from here, we release grace for them to continue what we have. So there's a difference between blessing and commissioning. Okay, I don't want to go too much into that. But if you understand what I'm saying, is you release a grace 
to continue a work. That is why we're an apostolic house, meaning that when we raise up people and and we send people to do a specific assignment, we send them with a commissioning, meaning there's a grace upon their lives to do the same. It's the same thing I'm busy saying. So there's a commissioning grace, but there's also an impartation and grace when we start to speak things over people, we release grace. So we're not speaking what the second heaven is saying, where the spiritual realm is taking place, the spiritual battles. We're releasing what heaven is saying into a situation. Are you with me? Are you still here? All right. So, is it possible some of the things we have been waiting for God to do, He's actually waiting for us to do? God, won't you do this? Lord, won't you heal those people? Lord, won't you bring breakthrough? And God's saying, this, come on. I've given you all authority. I want you to start speaking to your mountain. I want you to start speaking to your situation. I want you to start imparting grace there. I want, it's us, the church. And we're waiting for God to move and God's waiting for us to move. In verse 5 and 6, Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6, it says, it speaks about the eyes of the blind will be opened. And it says, for waters shall burst forth in the wilderness. After what? Let me read it. Verse 5 and 6 says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. After I say something, after I speak or decree something at my school, at my house, at my work, what happens? The breakthrough comes. Because I've released grace. The waters, the Holy Spirit comes into the situation and starts changing it. And blossoms start coming. Fruitfulness starts coming. We are called to be agents of change. We are called to be disciples of Jesus. Disciple means a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not come to curse. He came to bless. Guys, Religion says you must go through this pain. You must do this. If you don't do this right, I want to tell you something. It's the goodness and the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's His kindness. It's His goodness that leads you and me to repentance. So after I decree, after I speak, after I decree, what happens? Supernatural invasion takes place. Imagine in your marriage, imagine in your relationship with your parents, with your friends, when you start to actually speak what is not the negative, but you start to speak what is life, you release grace over them. And so the goodness and kindness of God leads them to repentance. There's some people been in the news in court cases recently in this last week, politicians, that some of us would not want to treat them kindly. 
And when I heard some stuff coming up, I haven't followed. I said, God, may that person come to know your love and your goodness. May they get saved. May they be a, a, a testimony for the nation. May they, instead of cursing them, you release grace. So imagine that if as Christians we're actually agreeing with the devil, we're actually enforcing the devil's will. We become more agents of the enemy than of God. Let's not go there. That's why Jesus turns around to his disciple, Paul, and says, get behind me, Satan. Because what he was saying was not in the, what, what God was saying. Who's using you? Who's working through you? The devil? Or is God working through you as a Christian? Verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. You see, the presence of God is like rain. It brings refreshing. There are people around you and me. There's people around us who do not have hope. And you and I are the ones to bring hope into the situation. And if you've lost your hope this morning, God wants to bring back hope in your life. If you're disappointed because you don't see things happening in your life as you would like it to happen, if, if, if you see th that you don't understand why things worked out like it is with your business, why even you, you're at a certain age maybe and you, you're disappointed where your life is at. Maybe there's things you've dreamed of and they haven't been fulfilled. Well, I want to tell you something. God is a solution because he knows the answer before the problem is there. So whatever you're facing now, God has an answer. Your joy and my joy is not determined by do we get something. It is determined by what we believe, that he's still a faithful father. Whether or not we see the thing, our joy cannot be determined by the things in life. It's determined by him. That's why we worship God, as I shared last week or previous week. We worship God not for what we can get. We worship him. For who he is. He is our reward. It's not something. He is. If, if, if heaven is a place where you just, the streets are gold, what are you going to try to steal some from your pocket? Do you, do you understand? Our value and his value is so different. He is the reward. He is the solution. He is our hope. He is our joy. He knows the answer. Before we have even the problem. Amen. So I want to just pray for you this morning. And for those that are listening. I'm going to just pray. And uh, I just want to bless you. And So Father I want to just pray for everyone this morning. That might be discouraged. I want to pray for everyone that might 
be in a situation where they say, Lord, we've been trusting you not for weeks or days. We've been trusting for years for solutions, and we don't have them. I want to pray for people out there listening, whether in business and they've been uh, trying to get things and they haven't for years happening. I want to pray for people with health issues and they've been trusting you, Lord. I want to just release grace right now to everyone in their situations. I want to release grace of breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm just taking that what from the throne room right now, not from circumstances. And Lord, I choose to release because you are the answer. You're the way, the truth, the life. And Father, I pray right now for breakthroughs, that there'll be testimonies in this week of breakthroughs in Jesus' name. Whether it's medical situations, whether it's financial situations, whether it's planning, business, relational um, school situations, whatever it might be, I want to release grace upon grace right now because you're the hope giver. You are a hope. And Lord, I bless each person just hearing this message right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.